Where would you like to start? Do you want to start with private function? We may as well, because it's alphabetically the last one. Private function, who are a Melbourne punk band. I think they have crossover with Clowns, who we did an album of theirs years ago. It would be 2019, 2018. They're much more of a kind of a hardcore, shouty, um, frenzel, romish kind of punk band, whereas these guys are doing all kinds of shit and they're just out here to have a bit of fun. They're, do- they're doing everything from fucking thrash punk to... There's a glam rock track that actually works really well as a glam rock track. It sounds like 1979 at a Kiss concert and it is remarkable. I, last last week I said they were a bit of a party band and I think you got really excited. I think your definition of party band is probably different to mine. <laughs> probably involves more yeah, that's right. saxophones more re- and more turntables. Dogs, yeah, yeah. But this is, um, I enjoy the shit out of this album. I, I, can, I can see the point, though, because if you like this sort of upbeat punk, this would be, you know, great at a, at a sort of late teens, early 20s party, right? If this is your, you know, have a bit of a mosh pit in the backyard. Are you saying that I'm a child? <laughs> well, we know you're a child. You who parties with people who, who put unrefined methanol up their anus in order to get drunk before they go and get drunk. <laughs> You'll need to have listened to the sports episode. Assuming we leave that bit in. <laughs> that joke. That's some. That's some beautiful podcasting, though. That really is. This is like but I'm the immature one because I like a joke. bit of grotty punk. What I liked about these guys is they actually didn't. I mean, there's lots of bands that do that kind of ratbag Australian punk stuff. I mean, the chat do it really well, but you know, June Rats and DZ Death Rays and you know, name them. There's heaps of them. But these guys have got a few more strings to the bow. I mean. One-Headed Dog has a lovely kind of sonic youth quality to it. In fact, I had to look it up to remind myself that Two-Headed Dog wasn't a sonic youth song. I, I assumed it was like a tribute to them. Yeah, right. Um, Season Destroy is a is a lovely hat tip to all of the history of, of thrash punk going back from fucking Raw Power era, Stooges to even Metallica, uh, Kill Em All kind of era sort of stuff. And it is not taking itself seriously in any kind of way. There's even a bit of fucking Deltone style doo-wop. And it's just, they're trying a lot of different stuff. The only thing I think they probably didn't need to do was a cover of Yellow. Uh, I know last week I said that that cover of Orinoco Flow by Olivia Jean closed the loop yeah. on, on 35 years of hurt for me because I've always hated that song. Yes, this did. The, hate con- the hate and the hurt continues. So these guys didn't quite solve the problem because I will always still hate Coldplay until I die because they are just deeply mediocre. And the fact is, because this album is under half an hour, that cover of Yellow takes up more than 10% of the album, so I really feel like <laughs> it was a real waste it's of their the, time. It's the GST, mate. It's the tax. Essentially, yes. It's more than. It's almost like New Zealand GST. It's getting up for 15%. Um, but given that they, they backed onto that with a track called I Just Met the Biggest Cunt in the World, It Is You, I felt like they probably drew a line under, under they, Coldplay quite well. They earned it, you reckon? Not a lot of smart stuff on this album, but it's good. But it was good enough fun for me, um, and it was smarter than a lot of shitty punk back. So uh, I, I liked it. 
I enjoyed it, and I think that thirty minutes thing really is why. Like it was, I didn't have enough time to stop laughing and and you know because I sort of get into after a while, punk sort of grates on me, and yeah. I, I was still laughing before the great, you know, the yeah. sort of the, the thrashiness turned me down. But um, yeah, no, I yeah. It was and good. because they're throwing lots of change ups, it's a bit hard to get bored of the sound because they don't. Yeah, it's, they don't it's tend not- to stitch more than two songs of the same kind of vibe together. So um, I think that, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, it's not 12, two minute, 30 songs of the same shit. Exactly sure. right. Exactly right. Yep. yep. So, yeah, good album. Well done. So, Alex Leahy, Leahy? It's Lay. Just Lay. Alex Lay. Lay. I, um, Alex Lay. I always used to get, I got confused with Alex the Astronaut, who was another Australian indie actor, although she's a bit more folky. Um, I think yeah. she, was da- she was dating Tyler Wright, the surfer, for quite a long time. Okay. And I got those two. Used to get those two confused. But Alice Lay is a little bit more, a little bit more rock. Um, yeah, well, I was trying to sort of get a handle on it, and I started out thinking this is optimistic hole, uh, but I don't think that's quite. I don't think that's quite right. Hole. Sounds like a great name for a band, anyway. I would have said like Courtney Barnett, but on SSRIs. You know, yeah, just or- a, a little bit, a little bit cheery. Actually, no, here's what I thought. I mean, I actually looked it up to see where she's from. She's from Melbourne as a private function, yeah. and as is Courtney Barnett. But I thought almost like she was like the Sydney Courtney Barnett, like <laughs> in the, you know, superficially a bit sunnier and a bit brighter and maybe not as deep, yeah. uh, which isn't fair because she's actually from Melbourne, but it is a little bit poppier, a little bit brighter. Yeah, it's a, it, 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 yeah. It, it is a little bit more superficial, and that's that's why I sort of ended up with the Jezebels if they'd listened to a shitload of grunge and then went and recorded an album. Because there's a few little grungy flourishes, but not enough. There's some it. distorted guitars. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily... It felt like... It really felt like core 90s Triple J. Yes, that's... It that's, really felt like she was yep. she was a, a woman out of time because this would have... Yep. This would have... That, that's it, exactly. This would have killed in 1997. Yeah. It would have just Fuck murdered yeah. people. It would have been, yeah. been absolutely core Triple J if core Triple J still existed. Um, I mean, the first track feels even a little bit like stuff like that Fiddler album that you loved. It's got that, that, mm. that one of the tracks off that that had that particularly kind of quirky feel to it. Congratulations even feels a little bit Weezery. It's, it's like little elements. I'm not saying she's yeah. aping them, but I'm saying it just, it just pulls little um, remnants in that makes you think, yeah, this all works. And there's nothing on this album that doesn't work to at least, as we say, superficially. It's just whether it sort of hangs with you at any kind of deeper level. Yeah, it it didn't stick with me, but I, I did get that feeling of oh, it's nice to go back to yeah, like like feeling like you. Is are, it just a warm cuddle of nostalgia here, or, or yeah, yeah? But it was nostalgia, but not nostalgia that you get from listening to a custard song for the six thousand and thirty-two second time. You know, because the the tracks were new. I hadn't heard the tracks before, but the style was very yeah, sort of comforting and and uh, familiar, I guess. I was trying to think of, of who the like who would have been the female artist who would have been the equivalent of Alex Lay in period. Yeah, because because Janet was much more. Yeah, much it, more it wasn't. It was hard edged and, and the best and, I could come up with was Rebecca's Empire. Yeah, and that okay. might be a little bit early nineties because that's like um, mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, it's 
it's really a, like a the, the music is much more in that um, custard UMI. Uh, yeah, it feels like Australian indie alternative rock kind of yeah. space. Yeah, so I mean, as is Courtney Barnett, I mean, she's much more accused her last week of being doing Tim Rogers cosplay, which is slightly unfair. But there have been tracks on any of the last three albums that have made me think that is a that's a fucking UMI song. The only difference is that it's got this kind of sarcastic, bored, slightly, you know, depressed woman at the front instead of Tim Rogers drunk on whiskey. I was thinking about the three albums this week and, and like, whether to add them to my long list for the end of the year. And, and I sort of ultimately decided that private function just, I just didn't think I would, I would ever get that into my top five. Yeah. And this one, I was like, look, I really appreciate the style, but nothing's really. Nothing's really sticking with me musically, and yeah. nothing's really. I'm not. I'm not keen to come back to it and sort of dig into the song uh, musically, or th- there's nothing that's really grabbing me. Like, and there, I'm sort of going somewhere with this because the Bad Dreams album has like eight things that I was just like, oh, I really want to go back and listen to that. I really want to go back and listen to that. Fuck, I, that, the start of that song is so fucking good. I really like that, the, the way they use the guitars in that song. And it's like nothing's sticking like that with this this album for me. And, yeah, so that's yeah. that's where I sort of landed with it. I'm, ca- um, I'm staring at the, tr- the track listing and I'm like, I'm, I can't remember how, I mean, you know, yeah, which songs go. Well, yeah, how does that song go? Whereas I'm looking I at the- I think I remember how that one goes and that one goes and I think I know how that one goes. But if you go back to yeah. the hoo-ha, you know, it's a bit like- Ugly but memorable is always going to stick in your mind better than, you know, pretty and featureless. In a way, that's kind of what you've got with Bad Dreams in that, uh, you know, bits of it are because of, particularly because of, and this is the official transition, transition to, to Bad Dreams. Um, because of the, the particular vocal delivery of Old Mate from Bad Dreams, it feels ugly and it feels raw and it feels unhinged in a lot of places. I mean, the vocals... Has, has, have always been a, an acquired taste with Bad Dreams, and it's certainly no different now. It, it's like being shouted at by fucking Ben Mendelsohn playing a homeless meth guy. You know, some of the incoherent shit that he comes out with. And then he, he writes a song like Jack, which is just such a really a blistering, oils-like uh, takedown of the, the state of Australia debate and discussion and narrative around um, Aboriginal affairs well, in Australia. Well, so, and, and Southern Heat's pretty... Uh, like I, I'm going to do a heel turn because I've always said that Bad Dreams have really, really. I, I always think their stuff's put together well, and I just think the vocal just drags it down. I thought the vocal in this was awesome. I, I thought it was used really, really effectively within the production. It didn't fucking smash my eardrums uh, totally. Um, I thought, funnily enough lyrically it's going to trouble the people that are going to be the fans the biggest fans of this album musically because it's like you know it is sort of bogan pop. i don't think so you I, don't think so because it, it i don't think bogans are like that i don't think okay. so I, i'm glad because I mean, the content is a little bit like as if, as if a, a bogan kendrick fronted the chats it, but it is it is probably the most I mean, I'm thinking back because the, fir- the first Bad Dreams album was characterised by the fact that they got Mark Opitz, the former producer of ACDC's Power Age, and a whole lot of those classic era Albert's production 70s rock albums, which is exactly the sound they were going for. And the, the follow-up albums, they were definitely going for that kind of feel. In this case, they kind of feel a little bit more like they have enough idea of who they are without 
consciously opening a grab bag of 70s Albert's acts. I mean, they're still doing it consciously. There's still riffs and bits that oh, make you think, I was yeah, actually... yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think they're doing a much, much more ambitious and interesting spread of concepts, genres, influences. You know, there's 80s post-punk and new wave and all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah, I, I was going to say, this this reminded me of much more of like a, a Hunters or a Hootie Gurus that wanted to experiment. Midnight Oil. Midnight Oil that wanted to experiment a little bit with, you know, we're in that, that tradition of the Australian pub rock band, but hey, we also don't mind a bit of synth or a bit of this or, you know, we're, we're going to play around with this sort of sound. But I think this might be my favourite album of the year so far. I fucking love this album. I just thought it was super sharp. I thought it was so well written. You've got an email. And I, I just think the production, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not me, that's my wife. Um, and I don't know how to mute her computer, so... Um, this is like interviewing Boomer Coach on our radio show areas on Zoom. Oh, I, I don't even want to touch her computer. It's fucking locked down with cybersecurity. Academics um, still fucking uh, send emails at, at yeah. this hour of the fucking day. I, I came into this sort of like a like a nugget sceptic, right? It's like, you know, prove, prove to me that you've changed. Prove to me that you're worth my time. And I came out of it just like a true believer going, fuck, these guys are really good. Uh, they're, they are really, really good. This this album is so well put together as an album too. That's the other thing is like I super enjoy putting it on and listening to the whole thing. I think it works really well as an album. I, I, it, it does I'm, require active listening though. It doesn't it- – it's it does, not a background yeah. album. But but that's but isn't that a good thing? Isn't something that makes you want to listen to it? I mean, not in every context. I mean, there's plenty of contexts nah. in which you actually want something to drift along in the yeah, background. Yeah. And Because you, you're or, being – a lot of this album, it's confronting you. Again. It wants you to respond. It wants you to listen and wants you to feel something. Sometimes you, yeah. just, you just want to fucking hear someone call someone the biggest cunt in the world. I just I wasn't expecting this from from these guys. I was expecting another sort of uh, droney. Uh, I don't know. I like- don't look. I I don't feel that this is that much of a departure from where they've been. I can see that the okay. evolution, but it's still. I mean, they were still good for a, a couple of really good, mm. a couple of bangers on every album, and some self indulgent dross. And some bad, yeah. some ideas that weren't, and they just feel like they're a bit more comfortable in their own skin, and that's really cool. I've got my gym is really funny in that it's it's a whole bunch. The people that that run it and and, and do all the coaching there are like the complete opposites to us. They are frozen in time. They 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 selected a type of music that they liked, and that's it. They're not they're not budging from it. And one of the trainers, Bon Jovi. One of the one of the trainers sort of loves her late seventies, early eighties Australian rock. Like that's her that's her vibe, and I'm I'm super excited to go. Hey, you should listen to this new album. I think you will dig it because I be reckon like, she will. This is like showing Wolfmother to a Led Zeppelin fan. It's not going to end well. <laughs> well, that's but I don't think the problem with Bad Dreams are. I mean, particularly track one. Track one yeah. will test you because he is. Deep in his bag of being annoying, um, yeah. and being strident and being deliberately fucking challenging, and it's not until you kind of navigate past the first minute of waterfalls that they kind of warm up into. I'll be frank, listenability. And there's a few too for me. There's a few too many points at which they're just like, okay, we're going to make a scene in order to make a point here, 
and it's going to be musically unpleasant. Yeah. And I don't need that in an album. Okay. I I quite like Waterfall. What's Waterf- the point of the outro track? It's just yeah. unpleasant and irritating. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. I, I really God bless liked- I don't feel like it adds a lot. See You Tomorrow is the song in which I thought this sounds like Ben Mendelsohn playing a homeless meth guy. He's literally just <laughs> ranting about, you know, all matter of shit. I can't even begin to tell you what he's he's ranting about. Something about yeah, David Kosh and um, knitted booties and the colours of the Camry Crows and, you know, just insaneness. Uh, but you know, on the, it, on, okay. On the flip side, Jack, Southern Heat, Black Monday, Collapse. Jack is a, Jack is an incredibly cool song. Yeah, I was some- literally listening to Jack when before we started this podcast because I was just thinking, now this is because it, it's reflected a lot of the points I've thought about. Because he, he the second verse is about in my school they taught the Russian Revolution, the stump jump plow, and in the Roman Constitution they didn't teach anything about Aboriginal history. They didn't teach anything about the massacres, about the artists, about the land rights, about Eddie Mabo. We learned fucking nothing about that, and it's something that's always, particularly living in New Zealand, and the amount to which the history of New Zealand is taught. The treaty and the the land wars and everything. It's people know about this. Dude. My kids come back; they know more Torreya than I will ever know. And it's like, yeah. why well, it's, why do we fail our, our children so badly in Australia? Yeah, it's it's like I try and explain to people in my industry about uh, like re- recycling and waste management and stuff like that. Like my kids know like ten times more than my parents know. And probably people of my generation know the only reason I know more than them is because it's literally my fucking job. But, yeah, the this, this stuff that they know about the environment as just as a matter of course is just, just so, so far ahead of two generations ago. It's ridiculous. And it's going to need to be because um, they're going to inherit yeah, the world that's, that's right. fucked and on fire. <laughs> yeah. There's 20 anyway. degrees in Dunedin in the end of May yeah. today. It was lovely. I don't think it's good. Yeah, it's not probably not sustainable. No. Uh, it was the hottest place in New Zealand I, apart from Kaitaia, which is the very top of Northland. Anyway, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting that oh, you know, we're halfway through the year and Bad Dreams might be my favorite album of the year, but uh when I when I when I go on my trip, I'm going to do my half year re-listen to everything on there, so We'll see how that goes. Yeah. It's an album with warts, but it's an album with real honesty in it. It is, it's the kind of album that Trimming Balls tends to gravitate towards, which is an album with flaws, but that is definitely trying. The other thing I'll say too is it's just really, really good musically. I think that the production and the, and the playing of the, the music, they are really fucking good. Yeah. And they haven't um, got a big name producer on like they did back in the day. It's, it's like they're, they're more comfortable understanding exactly who they are and what they, what they want them to sound like now. Yeah. I still like Private Function better though because... Because <laughs> you're you? Because I'm me, yeah. Uh, all right. What have you got that's new? That's a good question and that's going to require me... Actually, what it's going to the- require me to check my list because... The new album by D-Mob Happy is out, and uh, they did my favourite album of 2018, and their album of 2015 is quite good as well. So I'm very interested to hear what they've done on their new album, which is called uh, something or other, Living Machines or something. Yeah, well, I just 
I've got a whole heap of stuff coming up and I'm just not quite sure what I want to go with this week. Divine Machines. Thank you. Uh, the 28 hour album was called Holy Doom. Yeah. Did, I was trying to think. It's my album of the year. Did I like that album? I yeah, think I you think- liked it enough, but it wasn't It wasn't one of your top five. But uh, it was one of my favourite albums. It was was my one of my favourite albums the last 10 years. I'm going to go with something just, just from curiosity's sake because I was trying to – I was talking to, to this uh, – talking to Vanessa about this the other day. I'm going to go Dave Matthews' band Walk Around the Moon because I don't reckon I've listened to a Dave Matthews album because – for years and years, simply because, like, it, it was a little bit like Pearl Jam, right? It just got overused in the first sort of three or four years of uni, and I, I just got sick of people that yeah, would- Yeah, yeah. We, we had a- yeah. This is their first album in quite a while. Oh, no, they had one in 18 and one in- No, one in 18. So this is their first album in about five years. Yeah, we had a yarn about this, well, probably a month or two ago. We mm. talked about the kind of dude who just sort of self-identified as being a Dave Matthews so band. with being a Dave Matthews, yeah. Or Fish or various other jam bandy kind of, yeah. And they all tended to be handsy creeps who like to smoke. Um, not that we're, not that we're but, generalizing, but I'm going to fucking generalize. But the thing is, I can also remember that Dave Matthews' music was pretty fucking good. It was just that the, the sort of punishing scene around him that that sort of spoiled it for me. So I'd be, I'm, a, I'm quite curious to see whether- uh, like a because my taste have changed enough that I think Bad Dreams is is um is the best album of the year so far. But yeah, I, I'm just curious to see you know looking looking at it from a a perspective twenty years down the track how how I feel about it. So let's go with that. Walk around the moon is the album. Dave Matthews still sounds like a used car dealer. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not. It's not a name for a rock star. No. No. Dave Matthews. Uh, Never trust a man with two first names and no surname. I'm not going to snipe your um, – I'm very glad that I did, though. I'm I'm super glad that I sniped the, the Joker off you last week. So Because I don't, I don't know whether I would have been confident enough to pick that as an album for myself. So uh, I'm stoked that I did that. What have you got for the Joker? For well, given that that means that you must have picked Alex Leahy as your actual album. Yeah, that's uh, You idea. definitely don't get the Joker. I'm going to pick what yeah. I was going to pick for the Joker last week, which is Kid Koala, which is a Canadian oh, yeah. chop-up yeah, yeah, yeah. DJ. He has an album out called Creatures of the Late Afternoon, and I think mm. this is – I don't know if this is the album that is – this is this is an album that was made as the accompaniment to a board game he developed for kids. Oh, wow. Um, Rather than a movie soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like there's, there's a I – think, I think this is the one. I might have my story wrong and I'll look it up properly for next week. But I think this is the one where he's been doing a bit of, you know, like, educational music stuff. And um, he's done it as a, as a set with this, this board game. It was originally, I think the music was conceived as the soundtrack for this imaginary board game, and then they just went, why don't we just make the board game? So they've done that as well. So, Interesting. so there's that. All right. Sounds good, Doc. I might um, go and listen to Bad Dreams on the good headphones because I have not I've listened to it on the little tiny ones, but I don't want to put the big ones on and, you know, blast it. Actually, it was, an, it was, a, it was talking about the production on that album, it was another one that sounded really good on the Sonos with the sub. You know, there's some bottom end in that album that's fucking uh, really enjoyable. Other speakers are available. 
<laughs> until we get sponsored. Sponsors, and then we will, and then we will. Uh, I don't think we'd be very good at promoting anything, to be honest. Look, I think I think we would be like gratuitous with the amount of name drops. Like I was just listening to that on my server speakers, and I tell you what, the bottom end is just glorious, just so rich, has such a lovely bottom end. <laughs> I was listening like to your mum. The, the hoop, the hoop collective do trivia, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we got a new sponsor," and I'm like, "Oh, here we go." Oh, it's uh, it's uh, YouTube TV, and like I was t- Everyone, the end but of YouTube sponsor- TV are sponsoring literally every NBA podcast this week. <laughs> By the end of the sponsorship read, I'm like. If I was the the fucking rep for YouTube TV, I'd be ringing up and asking for my money back. The thing is, though, that it the, was Wendy did, so bad. Wendy does a did a pretty good read for um for YouTube TV because he he uses I I believe that he uses yeah. it because he can't watch fucking he can't watch the Nuggets <laughs> in his own house even though he lives like nine hundred miles from fucking <laughs> Omaha. Welcome back to our sports podcast. Um, yeah. Music. Anything else to talk about? No. No, that's it. That's right. Well, that was 1998 Triple J week on the Bulls podcast. And next week, won't be. Exactly. We're back to a Canadian uh, Seppo and uh, a bunch of... Random chopped up sounds. Dudes from Newcastle. All right. Sounds good. See you, Doc. Talk to you next week. Kind of glad we didn't, but we never did actually talk about the fact that Ja Morant is peeling apart, and it's really sad. Yeah. It's, oh fuck, that's grim. He's that, posting, yeah. you know, posting teenage angst on his on his. I mean, the fact that he was necking tequila from the bottle should have been the giveaway that he's got a serious problem. But well, fucking hell! And also, the other canary in the coal mine was De- Desmond Bain finished the season had three weeks off, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, we're sending you off for fucking surgery. And it's like, ah, maybe Jar's in a little bit more trouble than we think. Yeah. Because it sounds like they're going to do the, you know, that they. it sounds like they don't expect him back at all next year. I think that he's probably going to lose at least half a season, but I think he probably – it's gone from he's going to be suspended for half a season to he needs mm. half a season. Well, he, yeah, he might looks, need a whole season off. Well, he's going to need a, a he's, well between now. He's going to need he's going to need at least six months to get his head right, and then he's going to need a couple of a couple of months to get his body right to play again because he's he's he just seems like he's in such yeah. a fucking terrible. Sp- the difficulty is that he is in that it's almost like that ACDC space where he is a one man industry. He has to keep going to feed all these mouths, but yeah. he's not having fun and he's not happy. And if he was, he wouldn't and, be doing these things. And that's not like that's fine if you're ACDC, but that's not a sustainable thing for an NBA player. Not not for a uh, uh, not for a kid. Uh, unless you, unless you've got someone else like being a buffer between you and those people. 
Like, who was it? And his there, parents there a- are the problem. They're not the solution. They're the problem. Yeah. His dad's lounging well, around. And he, at least his dad isn't drinking at games anymore. His mum was calling yeah, him down not- to sort out people she was having disputes with at fucking shoe shops. I mean, you yeah. can't. That's not fucking helpful to anybody. So- See, the thing is, someone, I think it was Mc- uh, Ben McMahon who pointed this out, that nobody, be- it might have been Bamani actually, nobody believed in Jar. Like, nobody actually had his back yeah. at any stage. Like, nobody thought he was going to the NBA. So this came out of nowhere. So, so he's never had anybody around him who said, you're going to be great, except for that very tight circle around him. So no yeah, wonder so he that- doesn't fucking trust anyone. Um, I'm I'm coming around on Rosillo. I know I know you don't like any of the ringer guys, but he was talking about um, like Sarah. Is she still uh, there, or have they driven her off because they're misogynists? Yeah, no, no, she's she's doing awesome work. But he was talking to fuck. Who was the player? It's not Andre Miller. It was it was basically like an ex player who'd had a long career as a as a like sixth, seventh guy on the, you know, never been the star, but he'd, he'd been a solid bench player for a lot of years. And he was the agent slash sort of guy running the workout for Ben Caro. And he, he was talking to Russell and he's like, mate, this kid is fucking, you know, the, the shit he's going to do is going to be awesome. But I was thinking about that in the, what you were just saying about Morant. He's got a guy in his corner that, played as the vet for over a decade on multiple teams. Like, he was almost like the professional veteran, right? The guy that you brought in to fucking be the adult in the room. Yeah. And Morant just doesn't seem like he's got anyone like that in his life. Now, who he's got is Devontae Pack, his best mate. He keeps yeah. fucking tripping over his dick. Although, at least this guy realised to, to turn the Instagram live off when the dude flashed his gun. But that constantly flashing the gun on Instagram when you've been told not to, that is that is the behaviour of yeah, a that's, broken that's, child. Um, that is please please help me. That is please please give me attention. That's that's mm. that's like real base level attention seeking self destructive behaviour. It's so sad, man. So, so the other, like I'm sure McCullum said this in the other pod as well, but one of the other well, things Well the the other the pod he was on with um Levitar's lot was in fact I didn't listen to it because it was te- it was grim, but it was all about, you know, how depressed and sad and miserable NBA players are. And from his perspective as, as a president of the Players Association, unpicking that um, that nexus of why is, why are all of Adam Silver's players so fucking miserable? Well, th- this was a lot more a lot more sort of reflective. So he talked a lot about how we're trying to give these guys, because they were talking about the one-and-done players, and he's like, well, the fact is, you know, if you're a star, you can earn almost as much now before you get to the NBA as you do as a rookie. So there's not the we're not we're not sort of um, we're not costing these you know guys that could make money money. You know, th- there's other ways that they can make money. They don't need to come to the NBA. You know, they're not they're not doing slave labor for anyone. There's heaps of different ways that they can get money. And that's that's why I reckon the one and done thing is that the high school thing is just dead in the water. I don't well, and like also that. it's in nobody's interest. It's not in the it's not in the players the players union's interest, and it's not in the mm. owners' interest. So uh, all, the only the group te- it's in the interest of is is a group that's not represented at the bargaining table for the CBA. So why would they change yeah. it? Well, like and and I think it was Hollinger that said he's like, mate, 
it's a big fucking job scouting college G League. Yeah, Australia. That's why the teams uh, don't want to do it because it's, yeah. it's so high they variance. Co- but they don't want to. Co- they don't want to yeah. have to fucking um, scout high schools. Like yeah. that's that's essentially it. They're like fuck that. Also, they'll that's, get that's arrested like-, like you did that time. <laughs> we cut out all the stuff from the last podcast about you hugging fourteen-year-old girls and stuff like that. But you know, <laughs> that audio exists. Is <laughs> that a threat? Next time you it's fucking just, just pick an a observation. Sad girl album, I'm releasing it's, that footage. Just an observation. It's not a threat. It's never a threat. It's only a threat. Uh, only only somebody who is guilty in their soul would consider that a threat. Hey, um, I don't know whether you actually got to see any of the footage from the games, but I posted on the TFA put the highlights from the New Zealand game up on there on their Facebook channel. I saw so, something. I, I'm on Facebook like twice a week at this stage, so I'm, I'm Yeah. The, the the links on the links on the balls Twitter account. So only, have a look at it there. The only times I go on Facebook had a post episodes of this Facebook podcast. Yeah. Uh all right, I'm gonna go talk to my wife. I'll catch you later. Oh, enjoy that. I'll talk to you later. See ya.